Blog Talk Radio. sisters, to all my fellow entrepreneurs across the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern, 1000 Greenwich, and this is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And today, show is on doing business in a new way, the first of our next series of six, which talks about the company's um, who have engaged in, who have made their competitive advantage part of it, how they put together their strategy and how they go to market. And so this is William Eastman. I'm managing partner for Applied Knowledge Labs, a North American business research company, and my company is today's sponsor. And as I said, we're going to go into the first of six shows to talk about what is the competitive difference when you look at strategy for the companies that have gone from zero to big, however you want to define big. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking number one, doing business in a new way. Okay, this is going to probably be our most uh, complex show in that um, I've got the challenge of taking what should be visual and making it audio. And so what we're going to do is we're going to expand um, our blog support of this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue to put our blog notes up on, uh, on my personal blog, The Rudder, which, by the way, you can access. Uh, you have a couple options. One is you can Google it and simply type in The Rudder, R-U-T-T-E-R, blog, and Google. Uh, I don't know about the other search engines, but I know in Google, if you do it, it, it comes up and it's like fifth or sixth listed. It's just above the fold. Or you can go to our our show site. Excuse me a second. Sorry, I had to cough there. It's uh, it's interesting. First thing in the morning, the first uh, conversation I have is with you and with nobody else. So sometimes it takes me a bit to clear my throat. But you can um, you can join the chat which would be at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R, and then you'll see the chat symbol. Or you can call in and join us live at 347-215-7471. Or, as I said, you can go to our blog site. But what we'll also do at that blog site is that I will put support materials, because what we've been all we've been doing in the past is putting show notes so that if you look at the show notes, you listen to it, you can, you can kind of capture it. I'm a visual person, so one of the challenges I have um, is I love to put a picture in front of people and then explain the picture. In this particular case, I have to use uh, my, my mind and my voice to create a visual image. What we will do on the Chief Growth Officer, which is one of our corporate blogs, which will be referenced uh, I will put some information in there that will support it. So 
this is something we had planned to do with our shows and to use our different blogs depending upon uh, what we were going to feature and, uh, and uh, specifically who it was designed for. Uh, and let me just speak to those. We have two corporate blogs. One is called um, Chief Growth Officer, and that is at growthpreneur.blogspot.com. And this is for existing companies that are in the middle of growth, basically stage three, stage four companies, some stage two, if you go back to our earlier shows, and that had to do with your growth stage. The Solopreneur blog, which is our other one, which is uh, the URL is wealthdynasty.blogspot.com. This one is aimed at people in their pre-startup phase when they're working on their business plan or in early stages of sales. And sometimes we have the same articles on both, and sometimes we differentiate depending upon um, what the purpose of that blog for the day is. So anyway, uh, all you have to do is go to, to williameastman.blogspot.com, which is the link that's on the uh, blogtalk.com uh, uh, show page, and that will have the links that you need in there. So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to review the – well, maybe I should review the six – um, the six elements very quickly, uh, and the reason I, I hesitate to do that is in 30 minutes I have a complex subject, so I have to I have to both speed up and slow down. Element one is doing business in a new way. Element two is pursue low cost, high margin opportunities. Element three is take monumental risk. Element four is exponential returns. Element five is, three, is thrive on deals, partnerships, and alliances. Element six is to outmanage the competition. And today's show is element one, doing business in a new way. Okay. And so what this gets at is the all of these companies that got there made how they put their strategy together and how they shaped their company around that strategy part of their competitive advantage. They did it better than everybody else. Now, I'm not going to talk about the nuances of putting together a strategy or aligning the organization. That is for a later show, and that would take our 30 minutes. Rather, I'm just going to say, okay, here is what they did with a little how and the details for later. Okay, so what are you looking to do? Well, you're looking to find a competitive advantage to exploit. And that kind of fits a little later on when we get to element two about pursuing high cost, I mean, pursuing low cost, high margin opportunities. And so if you think about it, how do I, def how do I define our competitive advantage or even better in this early stage, how do I define where the competitive advantage for this market exists? Okay. And so what I want to do is I want to say a couple of things. There are three areas that I'm going to look. One is I'm going to look at the targeted market. You know, when you go into business, you may not have an accurate picture of exactly who you're going to sell to, but you have to have some idea of perhaps what industries or what types of companies. So what's that targeted market? And the example I'll give you is that when I was in a large consulting firm, uh, our target market uh, was not necessarily a vertical such as uh, information technology or biotech or something like that. We, we used revenue, and we said any company $500 million or larger was our target market. These are the co companies we're going to go after because what we had to offer them was not specific to a particular industry. It had more to do with the operation of the firm. Okay. 
So that's number one. We're going we're gonna to take a photo of that. Uh, uh, the next part of this is to take a look at uh, specifically within that market, which customers do you target? All right, so if I looked at all companies at 500 million and above, what account, specific accounts would we look for? Um, in our particular case, we were looking for high visibility companies, companies that were more newer to the landscape than older, and so that they were wrestling with um, building things as opposed to dealing with inertia of a legacy system, a, leg a legacy culture. Um, and then the third part of this is what are the higher order benefits? In other words, what about our offer is different than everybody else's? Why would they buy from us? And so the way I'm going to present this is I'm going to talk about taking four different external photos of the market, taking a, taking a digital picture of right now of different components of the market, and then pulling that together and, ha and then discussing that you have basically two decision points once you have this uh, mosaic. Now, a lot of times when you talk about business or really anything, you can talk about this in a linear fashion. Now, step one, step two, step three, step four. And I'm very good at doing that, or at least my brain operates in that fashion. And most of my shows have been pretty logical, one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D. This isn't. This is more of a, a, uh, more of a looking at this as a, ne a network. And you've got different components in the network. And the answer is less obvious in some cases. You can't go from one to two, but rather you kind of combine the total photos. So view this as taking different photos of a building and then putting all the photos together and saying, aha, now I know what I'm looking at. So let's take a look at external photo number one, and that is the target market. Okay? And as I look at that market, and what do I want to say to myself? Well, I want to take a look at that target market to say, do I want to go out there? And I, by the way, I have four choices. One is, do I want to take a look at this target market and offer something brand new, kind of pioneer or plow new ground? Uh, that is option one. Option number two, do I want to take what's currently going on in the market and do I want to redefine it? And so I want to offer it in a different and a unique way. Uh, sometimes that happens when you work in the boundary. You, you take two distinctly different issues, you put them together, and a co company can buy it uh, from just one organization. And an example that I'll give you from the consulting industry in the early 90s was that uh, you would go to a, one company for strategy, you'd go to another consulting firm for IT, uh, and you'd go to a third consulting firm for outsourcing. And then when, um, when John Aker stepped down as president of IBM and Lou Gerstner took over, Lou Gerstner is a longtime uh, senior consultant partner at McKinsey. And what he did with IBM is that he took IBM and took what was basically an IT company and put them in the business and management consulting services market. And suddenly you could buy one, you could buy all three services from one company. And if you look at what happened over the 90s, all of the big players, um, there used to be about 10 big consulting firms. There were only five left. They consolidated. And what did they do? They matched what IBM did. So that's a redefinition of the market. 
or a third choice is to optimize. And that means uh, combining uh, different pieces in a niche that everybody recognizes and going after that. And I'm going to give you some examples of those uh, here quickly in terms of companies. And, and the fourth choice you have is, is substitution, which means that you come in and you attempt to do what somebody else does and you just do it a little bit better. All right, so who are some of the new market companies, some examples of that? Well, that was, one is eBay. Um, there was no e-commerce purchasing system or company out there that until eBay went out there and basically created that market. Uh, we talked about in our last show FedEx. FedEx is another great example of a company that kind of created a new market. Who knew that you could buy, uh, the, that the services were available? In fact, they weren't available until FedEx made them. Google is another example of what they've done. Um, the whole area of not just the search engine, because that's how Google started, but now all the Google apps that you can get basically for free. Um, Amgen, which is a company that is a pharmaceutical company, is not a pharmaceutical company, uh, so they don't try to deal with disease through drugs. They try to deal with disease through uh, biology, a very different uh, approach to this and more into prevention, and we talked about Cisco in the router business. So those are kind of the new market companies. Or you could redefine a marketplace that's there. Starbucks is a good example of that. That they didn't create the coffee industry, and they certainly didn't create the coffee house. Uh, the coffee house has been with us uh, for a long, long time. But what they did is they changed what that really meant. And another example of that for those of you who are uh, know a little bit about software and use cu customer relationship management systems (CRMs) is Siebel Systems. Uh, and Siebel did uh, what what Oracle uh, wasn't doing at that time, or Microsoft, and offering a totally different mix of a package around CRM. Uh, optimize. Uh, optimize, a uh, good example of that, of companies that have optimized is Clear Channel. Clear Channel has bought up a number of small local AM radio stations and put together a chain and then syndicated that. And for those of you in the United States, um, without Clear Channel, there would be no Rush Limbaugh. There would be no Sean Hannity, um, not, not because of politics, but because you needed uh, Rush Limbaugh would not be in 500 stations if it wasn't for Clear Channel because every one of those stations he would have to negotiate as a separate deal as opposed to doing one deal with Clear Channel and being everywhere. And for those of you in the United States that go to uh, uh, your office supplies, think about what Office Depot has done. And then in substitution, this one's a little bit harder to provide examples because these are much smaller companies, but there's a company called uh, Robco. And what they did is as Xerox uh, started to move out of the copying business, they stepped in and took that piece over and offered a, a cheaper, higher value substitute or Advent Software, which is another one that was into business software, and they did the things that Microsoft would not. So those are some choices that you have. Now, I can tell you that when you look at the marketplace and the companies that went from zero to a billion companies that IPO'd, what can we say about them? Well, 57% of those were new market pioneers. They created brand new markets. 33% of those that went to a billion redefined the market and 10% um, optimized. And in this particular case, there were none in substitution. 
because what that means is that when you do a startup, that substitution is typically where we start. Because what happens here is that if you have a great deal of capital, you've got investors, you've got a lot of money to start with, the first three, new market, redefine, or optimize, is something you can do because it's capital intensive. However, if you're, if you're starting off and you're basically paying for this out of your own bank account, credit cards, uh, loans from uh, family members, and you really don't have a lot of capital, then you start off by substitution. But that doesn't mean that you say to yourself, okay, we're going to do this now, but we're eventually going to move ourselves into the optimize or redefine, which is usually the easier jump. Or you could say to yourself, we're going to use the substitution to understand the marketplace much better. But really what we're going to do is we're going to pioneer a new market. Um, our organization, uh, Applied Knowledge Labs, is in the redefinition business. And what we're doing is that we, we are taking everything that is good about large consulting firms and we're keeping that and bringing that over. And we're getting rid of, I hope, at least our thought processes, everything that is bad uh, out of that. And we've, we've kind of pushed it out. What have we done? Well, we've gone after the small to moderate-sized companies, 50 million and below. And we've built an infrastructure that is very, very cost-efficient. And that we deliver, we don't deliver any services because services require labor. Labor requires, in this particular base, professionals are exceedingly expensive. Um, my experience with this is that most business owners and entrepreneurs won't pay $2,500 a day for a consultant. In fact, uh, they are somewhat annoyed if you charge them $250 a day. So we basically had to get our knowledge and insights to people who needed the information in a cost-effective way that they would pay for where price was an objection. So we are in a redefinition of the market. One of our challenges in growing our company has been that we don't have the capital, uh, the intensive capital really required to do this, and we should be in the substitution business. Uh, so, uh, But we made a decision that uh, we would pick up investors, which we have, and we would grow from cash. So that's one photo to say, gee, where do I want to go? Even if your decision is to go for substitution, are we going to, once we've got established, are we going to optimize? Are we going to redefine? Are we going to create a new market? So let me just take a stop. Let me take a stop right here and just say, hey, it is now 18 past the hour. We have about 11 minutes left, and I have a lot to cover in 11 minutes. But if you'd like to join the show, you can do a couple things. One, you can hit chat at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash the router, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can call in and join us at 347-215-7471, or you can go to my blog site, and sometime later today, you will have the show notes as well as our companion blog sites, which will have the information on there. Okay, let's take the ex external photo number two. And that is, I want to take a look at now, not the target market, but who are the target customers? And I want to look at the trends. What is happening out there right now that is affecting them? Um, some of the trends we take a look at are uh, what are the mega trends, the large trends? Uh, typically, you look at what's happening with the economy, what's happening with technology, what's happening with regulation. But what is impacting these customers, these specific accounts, um, uh, or these specific industries that I'm looking for? And what are, how are they responding to that? Um, I want to take a look at customer trends in terms of what's happening with their customers, uh, especially if I'm in a B2B type of sale. If, I, if I'm not, 
then I'm looking at the end uh, consumer. But what's happening here, in other words, is the is the is there a kind of a micro segment? Is there a segmentation going on in the market here, uh, where some customers are profitable and some are not? And so, if that's the case, it's not a matter of I can sell to anybody and make a profit. But there are some customers for whom there's high profitability. Other customers, there's not. Who are those? Um, where is the power in this particular process? Is the is the power with with the supplier? the distribution channel or with the customer? Does the customer have most of the power? And I'll tell you what's been happening over the last few years is most of the power has shifted to customers. Um, I want to look at what's happening in the distribution area. In, in other words, if, if the companies I'm looking at, are they selling directly to customers or are they part of some distribution network? And so what's happening in distribution is that part of that has been a huge collapse of the marketplace where there's fewer and fewer um, there are fewer fewer players out there, um, and so what you see is a, a collapse, and there's less of the distribution, and a lot of manufacturers, a lot of companies are selling direct to customers. Um, or are there new players? Have new things been added, such as UPS and FedEx now, uh, especially UPS, are making an attempt to take over the distribution channel from, from the, say, warehouses that we used to have in the past, where you would ship something to the warehouse, and the warehouse would hold it for you. Now UPS is basically becoming your storage situation. And then what is happening in business trends? What's happening to how we actually run the business ourselves? Um, and what you see here is, tradi is traditionally more of a digital model. In other words, what is the web doing to the, uh, to the customers? How do they have to respond to that? Amway is a good example of a multi-level organization for which when they come out with Quickstar, um, they had to really rethink their business model. On the other hand, they can't violate their relationships they had with their existing um, uh, with their existing members, and so those are all the photos that I want to take to say what the hell is happening out there, so I have a better sense of in the markets and customers that I'm looking at, what's going on and how are they changing? Because remember what we said uh, yesterday's show is that part of what this is really about is not going to where the puck is, it is going to where the puck is not. Um, and so, or if I'm playing American football or international football soccer, um, it's not a matter of where the the opening is at the moment because by the time I get there, it's probably gone. But where is the seam going to develop so that either I'm going to take the ball and take it through there or I'm going to pass or kick? And so that's what I'm trying to understand. The third photo I want to take is what... What higher order benefits uh, can I give people? And the way to look at this is a relatively easier analogy here is that is this a simple issue in that it's whatever is sold is what the issue is, what is actually sold. And, and let me use that as a contrast to a complex in that in a complex uh, benefit package, here's what you got. You got the product, the thing that you sell, which is kind of the, your entry into the game. Then you have a series of services that you bundle around that offer. And then you have the customer's experience that they have of being sold to, marketed to, purchasing, using um, the whole life cycle of the purchase and the use of the product. And so am I, am I going someplace where simply I'm, I'm selling a thing and that's all I've got to do, 
or selling the thing is just the start and I have to bundle it with other issues. And so is my higher order of benefits simple, which this means then it's the features of what I sell, or is it more complex in that it's not only what I sell, but how I sell it and how I service it. So that's the third photo. So let's take, we've got three photos on the wall. We've taken a look at the target market and what's going on. The second photo is that we've taken a look at our potential customers and put that on the wall. And by the way, you could do this for competitors. Uh, the third photo is what type of benefits are they looking for? Or what type of benefits would make me more distinctive in the marketplace? Photo number four is now one that I'm going to take a look at the competitors. Now, I want to ask, ask, ask myself this question. The people that I compete against, um, what, what does the, how does the industry compete when you look at all the major players? And for those of you in small business, I want you not to look at your small business competitors. I want you to look at your large business competitors. And the reason for that is simple, is that identifying all of the smaller organizations or startups like yours are going to be exceedingly difficult. And if they're privately held, which they are, you're not going to get any data on them. Looking at the large corporations is that you know a couple of things. One, there's a lot of data about them. They're easy to research. And also is that they've been successful. And you don't want to be copying or, or using as an analysis perhaps a competitor who's in the same position you're in because you don't know if they know what the hell they're doing. And so you look at them and you say, how, how are they currently competing and what do they invest in? In other words, when, when they are trying to grow the company, where they put their energy. And so what you want to do is get a listing of those factors. Now, I'm going to use wine as an example, and I did it uh, yesterday in my analogy. I used uh, the, the company, uh, Casella, that makes yellowtail wine, and I used them as an example. And so let me just offer those to you, is that here's what the wine industry competes in and invests in, so that you can use that as an analogy. One is price, obviously. Number two is the use of very specific terminology, which kind of gives it the snobbish effect. Number three is how do they market? Uh, you know, do they go print ad and where do they do their placements? Um, the, the issue of aging and how old the wine is uh, is part of that. The prestige of the vineyards that they're taking from some, some names uh, carry like Gallo. Most people don't think Gallo is a high-end wine. Not necessarily untrue. Uh, on the other hand, if you take a wine like uh, 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 Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's wine, it uh, has a lot of prestige. And then people talk about the complexity of the wine. Now, for your business, I don't know what those factors are. But what are those factors? And what you want to do is you want to plot those to say, okay, for this one, competitor one is here, and, and basically draw a line. And what you want to do is kind of map out what those value profiles look like. Because if you plot those value profiles out, you can say, aha, I now can see how the major players are competing. And then the next question you ask yourself is, what's your profile? Because if you're going to be, whether you're going to be a, a, a new market, a redefinition, an optimize, or a substitution, your two choices are you're going to match another profile where the difference between you and them is incremental, okay, which makes it hard to distinguish yourself and so therefore price is going to become the primary competitive factor, or you're going to make a decision not to match. Where the difference is clear, it is easier um, to distinguish yourself, and price is now more of a tool than it is uh, the competitive advantage or the sole competitive advantage, okay? So given your choice, how do you, so you've, you've taken these four photos, we put them on the, on the wall, 
Your decision point is are you going to match or not match? And then given that choice, how are you intend to compete? Based upon matching or not matching, are you going to be a price leader, which means that you have to run a very, very, very tight ship? Are you going to do it with product quality, which means that uh, it's, it's going to be about features and attributes, which means you're going to have to spend some time um, uh, invested in doing research, which we'll talk about. Uh, don't get because in small businesses, it's not R&D like the big companies do. I think that is, they've got that absolutely reversed. It's DNR, and that is you do some development of what you think you put it in the marketplace, and then your research is watching how the customer uses that. Or your third choice is the customer experience. Um, the, the way we're going to compete is that we're going to give the customer a unique experience, maybe selling exactly the same thing. And so that, that's your second decision point. And we are going to take value proposition, this whole idea of value proposition, and blow it out next week. So where we stand right now, okay, as I, as I check out my time, is what you've now done is you've built your first map of the landscape. And this is how you take these different photos and you take these two decision points and you say, okay, now how do I do business in a unique and different way that makes gaining attention, getting top of mind, taking market share uh, easier, and if I make this decision, then it tells me what type of organization I need to build. So, hey, thanks for the, uh, the first of some fairly complex sessions. Go to our blog site. We'll have the show notes, and we'll have our links. Have a great business day, wealth, and prosperity to all.